Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick any area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM Sports account to get started. Then visit your promotion section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. You'll score a prize if you hit a single, double, triple, or home run. There's nothing more exciting than going yard. So swing for the fences with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on the market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hello everyone, this is Slash Home Daily for July 21st, 2017. This is Peter Soretta. We're live in San Diego for San Diego Comic-Con International and day one has ended. Uh, I'm here with Brad Omen, who you know as Ethan Anderton from SlashFilm.com, and we're here to tell you about everything we saw on the first day of Comic-Con uh, 2017. All the things. All the things. Uh, why don't we start off with you, Brad? Okay. Okay. Uh, why don't you tell us about, uh, before, actually, before the first day, you saw a presentation from New Line of some clips from it, and you got to see the full movie of Annabelle Creation. I did, and there was also a surprise appearance uh, by Gary Doberman, who presented a teaser trailer for The Nun, which is one of the spinoffs from The Conjuring 2 that's coming. Um, but yeah, so this was part of a big promotion that New Line had called Scare Diego, and so they had... <laughs> um, director Andy Muschietti there, and he came with uh, a bunch of the kids from It, including Finn Wolfhard from Stranger Things. Um, and so, yeah, they showed us three different clips. Uh, was it three? No, two. Two? Three? They showed us some clips. It was roughly <laughs> roughly ten minutes of footage. Yeah. And uh, I was extremely impressed. It's what, what I liked most about it was they didn't, the, the clips that they showed us, they didn't show a lot of scare moments. They didn't show off a lot of Pennywise. 
they wanted to establish first the Losers Club because that's a very important part of buying into the story and being invested in it. And that, that's one of my favorite parts from the original miniseries is kind of the coming a come of age uh, story before yeah. that stuff. Happens. And they and he definitely nails it. Like it makes me almost want to see Andy Muschietti tackle like just a, your average coming of age movie because the the kids in this movie you can tell they have a really strong bond. They have a lot of chemistry with each other. It feels like. The, uh, the same kind of vibe you get when you watch Stand By Me and how close those kids are and how great they acted together. Like yeah. That's the, the exact same vibe that I got. Um, and so, yeah, it's just it just looks great. And um, we did see a little of some scary, scary stuff because they also played the brand new It trailer, which hasn't come out yet. It will come out at some point. We don't know when. Yeah. Uh, and there's plenty of scary Pennywise moments in there. And this really looks like it should be the definitive adaptation of it when all is said and done. I feel like it's going to be a big deal, and it, it should blow fans away. Very cool. I, I was talking to someone who interviewed the whole It crew, and he said it was funny because when they come up, it, it almost looks like they're the alternate dimension version of Stranger Things. Because you have like the girl with the short hair, you have the guy that's even in Yeah, Stranger that's a good Things. point. Yeah, yeah it's, it's kind of funny. Okay, so uh, Annabelle Creation. It's not a movie that either of us were excited for no not at all i was like i could have i had to talk you into going to this thing pretty much i like i honestly could have cared less and that's mostly because i didn't like the first annabelle i thought it was a complete waste they could have done something really interesting with it but it just didn't impress me at all i i was it was a lot of lame jump scares and everything was predictable uh i was not impressed but then i saw annabelle creation and honestly it's a superior follow-up in every way it's a prequel that takes place before the events of annabelle it is like relentlessly scary. It's it's super frightening. There's so many scares that it's almost like they had a rule once Annabelle is, you know, unleashed upon this this house where these orphan girls are staying that they had to scare you every few minutes because there's there's so many moments of suspense and intensity and, you know, it's it's so much to where like you're you can't sit still in your seat. And so I I personally was surprised by how much I enjoyed this sequel. It's really fun. And it's, I think that people will really enjoy it. Um, the big panel in Hall H on Thursday morning was 20th Century Fox. People were expecting, well, we knew there was going to be Kingsman, but we were expecting maybe some of the, the X-Men movies that they're making right now. Maybe Deadpool would have like a clip or something. No, it was just Kingsman. All no Kingsman. Predator. Yeah, all Kingsman all the time. Uh, you know, I, was, I like Kingsman, uh, the first film, but... Uh, I don't know, maybe it's just my excitement on that. The idea of a sequel has waned. But uh, after seeing the footage in Hall H, I'm actually more excited for this film now again. Uh, they showed the first reel of the film, which I think the like, first 15 minutes, which is this, se- this fight sequence that takes place in the back of a cab in a high-speed uh, car chase. But it's mostly this fight in the back of the cab. And it's insane. Like I, it you know I I can't think of another fight sequence that takes place in a car that is better than this or more crazy than this. And I know you're gonna say the raid too. No, this is more crazy than that. This is crazier than this fight yeah. sequence from the raid too. I mean, they're they're like fighting on top of the car, fighting in the car. Like it, it's I don't okay. know. Matthew Vaughn is a great filmmaker, action filmmaker when you know he has it in him. Uh, but it, it's insane. Uh, this, the plot of this film is they come to the U.S. and there's the U.S. version of 
the Kingsman, which is the Statesman, which is run out of a Kentucky whiskey company called Statesman Whiskey. Uh, and it's interesting, Matthew Vaughn is actually releasing his own whiskey called Statesman Whiskey. So you, after you see this movie, you'll be able to buy the whiskey, which is genius. Yeah, he's doing it. Uh, Old Forester that is the whiskey distillery that he's teaming with. And I actually got to try some of it yesterday. Yeah. And it's delicious. I honestly can't wait to like get my own bottle. Uh, I love whiskey, so I'm going to have to look out for that. Um, but overall, they showed some other clips. They showed another clip with... Um, Basically, two people fighting in a diner to throw someone into a meat grinder. It was uh, absurd, funny, uh, action-packed. It, it, it looks like a lot of fun. It looks like I'm excited for it, but I, w- I think the whole Hall H was kind of disappointed because it was pitched as a 20th Century Fox panel, and only a few days ago was it renamed on the on the Comic Con website a Kingsman panel. Um, so if you had the guide, it's a 20th Century Fox. So if I was there as a fan and I waited out, you know, early in the morning, overnight to get wristbands, hoping to see some X-Men and Deadpool, a little disappointing. Yeah, I would, I, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm kind of happy that I didn't have to go in with you guys to see that because I would have been disappointed as well. And plus it would have just been a waste of our resources because <laughs> yeah. uh, thankfully I got to cover something that, that I was pretty excited about and that we also wanted to cover just in case anything cool came out of it. Yeah, uh, Most of the time we talk about these big halls, Hall H, Ballroom 20, Indigo Ballroom, but there's a lot of ballrooms in Comic-Con that are like these smaller rooms. Yeah, and tons of panels are taking place yeah. all the time throughout Comic-Con, but you don't hear about some of these other ones because we just don't have time to cover that many things. And, you know, none of the, none of the sites do because they only have so many people here. Yeah. But So we want to take advantage of this panel because... Uh, so IDW Publishing, which is a comic book company had a Ghostbusters 101 panel. Now, Ghostbusters 101 is a comic book that they've been publishing this summer that's a crossover between the original Ghostbusters from 1984 and the new Ghostbusters from 2016. Uh, it involves a multi-dimensional portal that links the two universes together, um, and they, they actually have to, to work together and team up, and they learn stuff from each other about how each other fights ghosts. It's honestly a really cool comic book series, and I've been, I've been loving it. And so they had a panel about that, and what was cool is that Ivan Reitman was there to talk about the comic and that kind of thing. So we thought maybe some stuff might come out about future Ghostbusters stuff. And he did mention some tidbits about ideas that he has, things that he wants to do. Some of it was old stuff, like he talked about the animated movie that's coming up being something from the ghost's perspective, which is something we already knew. But he did say that he has another live-action movie idea kicking around. So there, um, there were some interesting tidbits there. In addition to them, for me, announcing what I thought was cool was a sequel to the Ghostbusters and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comic book that came out a while back. And then also these cool but also really weird action figures that are Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Ghostbusters combined. So you have like Raphael as Winston, you have Donatello as Egon, you have Leonardo as Ray, and you have Michelangelo as Venkman. It's and so strange. It, they're very strange, but they're so, they're, they look really cool and weird at the same time. I feel like this is a continuation. When I was a kid and I collected Ninja Turtle stuff, it's like they had Ninja Turtle, you know, Pizza Dude, Ninja, uh, Raphael, you know, yeah. like they, they, like, they just had like a hundred different versions of every Ninja Turtle because all the kids wanted was the Ninja Turtles and then they only had like one Shredder right. and the bad guys. Exactly. Now, now they're creating... Ghostbusters and Ninja Turtles, yeah, the, and it's ridiculous. Yeah, they're called Ninja Ghostbusters, so and, and they're pretty cool. Like I'll, I'll probably buy them. Yeah. 
But you um, got you got to interview. Yeah, so that that was the other cool cool thing, and especially for me because I am a diehard Ghostbusters fan. Is uh, IDW was able to arrange some time for me to talk to Ivan Reitman, and we haven't tossed anything from that up yet because we don't want it to get overshadowed by all the crazy Comic Con stuff. But we did get some pretty cool tidbits as f- about what the future of Ghostbusters holds and ideas that Reitman has and what they've been talking about at Ghost Core about how to continue the franchise. Yeah, and th- that'll be up on Slash Show next week sometime. Yeah. Hopefully. Um, what, 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 while you were doing that, back over to Hall H, I think you got back in by this point. Yeah. They had a Netflix panel, which was for their both their original movies coming up, Bright by David Ayer and um, Death Note, Death Note by, by Wingard. Wingard, yeah. Uh, Bright, you have seen the trailer. Uh, they showed a clip. Um, uh, did they show a clip? They did show a clip. Yeah, yeah they yeah. did show a clip. Uh, <laughs> right. Um, to me, it looks terrible. Uh, it does look dark and more dark and gritty than I expected it to be, even from the first trailer. But... Uh, our own Jack Drew, who wrote it up for the site, seemed to enjoy it. So, I don't think it looks terrible. I, my th- I think my res- reservation right now is that I don't have any investment in the world yet. I don't think I understand enough about how the world operates or anything like that to really... Yeah. Well, our article on the site today that's getting published today actually has a bunch of that, a bunch of the world building. So, yeah, but it's... um, I think it looks interesting because what I like is that it blends David Ayer's gritty grounded style from end of watch and mixes some fantasy into it which is yeah. it makes for kind of a strange clash in a way but it's also kind of fascinating i mean i like i love the concept max landis wrote the screenplay and i think the problem is with the execution for me like the orcs look so out of place in in david Ayer's gritty los angeles um crime movie do you know what i mean like they it looks like people wearing masks or something um but we'll see. I mean, Joel Edgerton looks like he's doing a really good job as yeah, in the, as that character, the old character, that team with Will Smith. It was Will fun, Smith. Yeah, it was fun to see Will Smith on on stage. He was talking about how uh, this is the only time in a movie that he's going to be able to play someone uh, uh, being racist to another person. Yeah, and he was excited about that. <laughs> um, and David Ayer was generally uh, giving no f's about anything and basically uh, insulting. Uh, all the movie studios. All, all the movie studios, <laughs> including the movie studio that he just left, uh, who wanted to make a PG-13 Scarface. And he was like, I forget what he said, but uh, it, it, it's, you can read it on SlashFilm.com. It, it, it's funny. Death Note. Tell us about Death Note. Um, Death Note is, so it's it's a, a manga adaptation, and I'm not too familiar with the manga. Um, all, I, all I know is just what we've seen from the movie, which I feel like is, you know, a decent and, amount of the audience. And people are feel. upset over this because it, they have Americanized this. It's not Asian in any way. It's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's it's a full-on American adaptation. Like, they're, Adam Wingard says they're putting their own spin on the story. And so it, they showed um, a trailer, which, and I think this the trailer was the trailer we'd already seen, but then they did show... A clip, which is also available online, where uh, Light meets the the Death Demon behind Death Note. Uh, I think it's Ryuk is his name. Is that how they pronounce it? I think it? so. Yeah. And so it's what's interesting is there's there's kind of a blend of genres just in this single scene. Like it's funny because Light freaks out when the, uh, when Ryuk shows up, and then but then it also turns dark quickly when Ryuk tries to convince Light to use the Death Note diary. Which how it works yeah. if you write somebody's name in it then like they'll die and you have to write how they die along with it and so 
it's already dark because he's trying to convince him to kill this guy who's bullying a girl outside and then he like tells him like to it's like you have to you know to write down how to do it and he writes down like all, all of a sudden without hesitation decapitation <laughs> yeah. like why would that be the first way you think of to kill yeah, somebody <laughs> because they need something cinematic to yeah. show and, and of course they cut it right before you know we would see the decapitation you can see the clip online uh for me what struck me the most surprising is it kind of had this the comedy of the 80s horror like slasher movie yeah for sure um which you don't see much nowadays it's either nowadays I think it's more clever, kind of like screamish, kind of like uh, very meta. Yeah, meta. Um, I don't know. I, I, I want to see it, but uh, I, I do think Ryuk looks really good, and Willem Dafoe's voice is kind of perfect for that character. And lastly, you went to the Inhumans panel. That's the new Marvel television series that's going to air on ABC, and it's also going to show in IMAX theaters a month ahead of time. Yeah, uh, I wasn't at the panel, but I saw. A presentation of the same footage you did on an IMAX screen that they built in San Diego, like in a park, which is insane that they can build a small IMAX theater in a park. Um, I'll start with this. It looks horrible. It, <laughs> it, it looks it looks worse than I could have possibly imagined. the The writing is so bad. The acting is so opera like acting. The costume designs are some of the worst I've ever seen anywhere. The 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 the, the, the direction, like unmotivated cuts and camera moves, and uh, yeah, you, I mean, even, and, and there's like slow motion just added for no reason. Oh, yeah, the slow motion bugged me the most in, in one of the clips that they showed. But and then like even the action itself, when you get to a sequence that could be cool, it's cut in such a clunky way and it moves so slowly, and it's. It's just not exciting at all. It's it's really disappointing and, and upsetting. I I was so just flabbergasted by it. it it's almost aggressively bad. It feel it's on par <laughs> with being like a cheesy sci-fi show you would have seen on TV in the 90s. And, yeah, it looks and, like a sci-fi channel from the 90s. Yeah. You, you nailed it. And so there's just yeah, you see the costumes like there's way too much leather and everything is so melodramatic and just, and it's such the hammiest performances you can imagine. Uh even uh, Ewan Rowan, who was on Game of Thrones, I feel bad for him because it's almost like he's doing like just a really poor man's Game of Thrones plotline now with the <laughs> way like there's all this drama between the royal family. The only thing that I thought looked cool was Lockjaw, the big giant bulldog who can teleport. Which wasn't in the clips, but he was in the trailers. He's in the trailers, and, and he, looks, he looks cool. Yeah. That's the only special effect I saw in the whole thing that looked cool to me. There's like this thing that they're doing with the main girl's hair that's moving around. I actually so there's been tons of backlash about Medusa's wig because it looks yeah. awful when she's just wearing it. However, I thought her hair looked infinitely better when it became all digital and when it was moving around. I don't know. I don't know. Most of the visual effects in this looked like something you could do in film school. Uh, the only cool part of this whole thing was the sequence where one of the characters like kind of time travels and re. Redoes what he tr- so yeah his it's it's Karnak and it's a character yeah. played by Ken Lang and his power is he can basically see the out see a bunch of different outcomes of any given situation and so they kind of psych you out by making you think that he starts to fight this group of people who are trying to kill him and he gets shot and dies but then all of a sudden he reappears and you see like these like 
hologram like diagrams of like him like basically figuring out what would happen if he did this and there yeah and then it goes tr- back. trying out every single scenario yeah. seeing and he goes, then it goes back and he does it again and he you know he takes everybody yeah. out that was the only promising thing i think in that whole sequence for me um, yeah but even then that was also shot in a very clunky way where like i don't think that they did a good job of presenting it yeah I mean, I'm not a fan of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I don't think you are either. I don't love it, but I, it was not something that I felt yeah. like compelled to watch every single week. I mean, I watched it for two seasons before giving up. But I know there's a big audience for that. This looks infinitely worse. But I will say this. Seeing a TV show on an IMAX screen is kind of cool. And I hope that IMAX does more of this in the future. Hopefully with uh, better TV shows. Uh, because it, it is cool seeing a, uh, not just a TV show on the IMAX screen, but a TV show that was shot with digital IMAX cameras on that like wide aspect ratio uh, screen. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, that's all I have for Comic Con. Uh, do you have anything else? That's all I have one? for Comic Con. Um, I would say day one of of Comic Con 2017. I've been coming here for I think ten or eleven years now. I think eleven years might be the most uh disappointing or just like nothing happened day yeah. <laughs> in those in there, that decade yeah there's nothing particularly exciting thursday is usually is historically a lighter day for comic-con friday and saturday are the big days because that's when everyone you know comes here for the weekend but even there used to be like some good stuff on thursdays um but I think with the lack of movie studios, there's not as much being promoted on that side of things. You know, like, you got to the point where, like, because one of the things we did see yesterday was Brixby Bear, oh, yeah, which yeah. is this, in, you know, indie movie that played Sundance, but, like, yeah, it was is in... A, this is a Sony Pictures Classics movie. And so it was... if, if you understand, they, you know, they produce, like, the the Oscar film, you know... Yeah, like, art house like, movies, they, they pick up movies from Sundance all the time. Yeah. And a uh, Brixby movie is not this high-class drama, necessarily, but it is a quirky indie movie that... Not many people know anything about, and so I don't know why they thought Hall H was the best place to do this, because there, there weren't a lot of people in there to see it, and even though they showed the first 15 minutes of the movie, and the panel was super fun, because Kyle Mooney was there, and they also had Akiva Schaefer and Yorma Taccone, two of the Lonely yeah. Island guys there. It was a fun panel, and as a comedy nerd, I was loving it. Yeah, but nobody in the audience was caring. Yeah, it no, was... like no one was getting it. No one was really on board that that much, which is really frustrating. Like I, I feel like it would have been better if they would have put that in one of the smaller rooms, and it, maybe oh for sure. But it's yeah, it, it was it, it was awkward. And the weird thing is, like you know, the room was half empty during that, and you could walk into Hall H, which is not something that typically happens. Yeah. Uh, um. Anymore. And at the same time, our own Jacob Hall was in line for hours, trying to get into Ballroom 20, where they had Legion um, and some other TV shows. Uh, and you can read his report on the site, um, a lot about Legion Season 2, and Noah Hawley, the director, showrunner of Legion, and Fargo, announcing that he is going... Well, he says, I'm working on my next film with Fox, I have two words for you, Dr. Doom. Like, right at the end of the panel, and he, like, drops the mic and leaves. <laughs> um, so I just want to mention that before we go. Uh, I'm not sure if he's saying he's making a Doctor Doom movie or if he's just saying, I'm working on a Fantastic Four movie. A lot of people are taking it as Doctor Doom. Or maybe he's working on a movie where there's a doctor who just kills people. <laughs> <laughs> One thing's clear. Fox needs to retain their Fantastic Four uh, 
movie rights, or they revert back to Marvel Studios. And and if he's gonna if, and making a Doctor Doom movie is an interesting way to do that if they <laughs> he, they don't try to reboot Fantastic Four again. So yes, yeah, so you you can read that whole article on that on SlashFilm.com. Brad, where can we find more of you? Always on the Slash Film. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ethan underscore Anderton. See some of the other stuff I'm doing around Comic Con that you know we're not posting on the site. Just random things here and there. And also check out my podcast, uh, Go Flicks Yourself. It's on iTunes and other podcasting platforms. And I want to thank everybody that's been coming up to me at Comic-Con, saying hello, uh, saying that they love the site, and some of you even saying that you love the podcast. Uh, I appreciate it. Uh, if you do love the podcast, go to iTunes, leave a review, rate it. Uh, and if you do have some feedback for us, send it to peter at slash We will see you tomorrow.